1: statewide nationwide worldwide wherever you're watching welcome into the line to gain show on the buffalo rumblings network i am the big o jerry Ostrowski. she is sarah larson i'm in just stifling tulsa oklahoma i'm sure it's hot in miami but i would Ooh. imagine it's probably a little bit more pleasant than it is here but uh welcome in humid. wednesday nights yes definitely humid here as well but uh welcome in wednesday nights nine eastern eight central We'll be at that time slot the rest of the year, right here on your best source for Buffalo Bills
0: content, hey, I like
1: that. <laughs> the Buffalo Rumblings Network. Sarah, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. I uh, it's definitely been hot. Uh, we've been taking a a three mile, three to three to five mile walk, depending on how we feel every day. And uh, by the time I get home, I'm I'm drenched in the morning. So uh, it's been. Uh, it's been a fun couple of days with all this heat, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things that I complain when I'm too cold and I complain when I'm too hot. So I can't figure well, out a nice, you do have to a nice ask, medium. Do you,
1: do you take, uh, do you get to go to the beach much? Do you go down to the beach? I mean, are you close to the beach?
0: Um, well, part? I'm I'm 15, 20 minutes from the beach. Uh, it's not that, not that far at all. Probably, I would say 15 minutes. It's the process to go to the beach, that is right, such a right. pain down here, um, trying to find parking, trying to lug everything from your car. So when I go to the beach, honestly, it's like maybe twice a year down here. I usually go up uh, to Brevard County to like Melbourne or Cocoa, um, Cocoa Beach. Yeah, right. Um, I have a lot of friends up that way and it's so much easier, <laughs> so much easier. Um, So, you know, they, they have tons of parking across the street and everything is just really easy. So when I do go to the beach, it's usually up that way. Um, I'll go up that way a couple times a year. But, you know, I do go to Fort Lauderdale Beach or uh, Hollywood Beach probably like once or twice a year down, down here. So it's mm-hmm. terrible. You know, everyone says, we, you know, you live where or I live where everyone, uh, you know, vacations. And I love the beach. Don't get me wrong. I love the beach. I just want to relax when I go to the beach. I don't want it to be what it is. The It's too much work down here to enjoy it.
1: Well, you know, most people in Oklahoma and Texas, this area, we go down what they call the Redneck Revere, right? We hit Destin and that whole stretch, the Panhandle. Mm -hmm. And lately, everybody to a a person comes back. And my experience down there was, I mean, it was shoulder to shoulder. I mean, it was claustrophobic. There were so many people. And it seems like that's the consensus. Everybody come back. So, hey, whatever it is, man, people are hitting Florida. They're spending their money yeah. on there going to the beach. But I uh,
0: know a couple of beaches that don't get too too uh, busy. You got to know some of the, you know, the not really private beaches, but some of the more uh, secluded beaches. Um, exactly. So, you know, I when I don't want to deal with that, it's still a pain to find parking, though. That's the one thing that, you know, Florida, the South Florida beaches are very hard when it comes to parking.
1: Well, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Like I said, we're here every week, Wednesday, 9 Eastern, 8 Central. Buffalo Rumblings network, it's line to game. And we got a lot to get into tonight. And uh, I'm kind of, I've been doing a little bit of research on this. And it's this phenomenon lately that we've uh, we've all been witnessing. And that is the running back contract situation. How are the elite running backs in the NFL being compensated? Right. And just to give you a little bit of a kind of a background Mm -hmm. or a history, the at one time, of course, the running back was maybe if not the quarterback right after the quarterback, the marquee position on an offense. Um, You know, you think of the likes of you're in Miami. So, Larry, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go over your head with this one. But Larry Zonka and Tony Tony Dorsett and Robert Montgomery and OJ, you got all these running backs, right? And they were the marquee guy, like the kid in the neighborhood. What was he doing? If he wasn't playing quarterback, he's like, I'm the running back. I'm, you know, I'm Roger Craig or, you know, I'm Franco Harris. And now all of a sudden, the running back position, when you look at the rankings, when you look at how positions are compensated monetarily, the last position compensated on a team is kicker. Right now, the running backs are just above kicker as far as the value of their deals and what they're signing.
0: I thought they you know, were just below. I think that they just released something. They might be just below.
1: They're Unless even below maybe, kickers?
0: I think I read the other day that the average uh, running back salary is a smidgen below kickers at
1: this point. And it would not shock me. Yeah. It would not shock me. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to tell a little bit of history of you know kind of what I believe to be the situation, why things are the way they are. I think a lot of it, the you know, and one of the things that I I don't agree with, and if you've been watching the news lately, you've been seeing the clips, and it seems that these guys, Saquon and others, are kind of banding together uh, in group texts and chats and phone calls, and you continually hear the blame being put upon the ownership. Right. And I don't believe that. That's not that's not where I think the blame should be should well, be. Well I think
0: I think just first and foremost, before we get too far into it, you'd have to probably be under a, a, a rock at this point to not know what has been going on. But just in case people um, haven't been paying attention a lot, uh, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard and Saquon Barkley, they were all franchise tagged, um, you know, at the start of the, the league's um, year and they were not able to come to a long term deal. Um, on, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, whatever day it was so that they had to, to get the long-term deal in by, they weren't, um, Pollard's the only one out of those three that have actually signed their franchise, um, the, the tag. So Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley could potentially at this point miss game time. Um, so that's why everyone's, you know, talking about it. Um, but you know, I think that we wouldn't be talking about as much if they weren't, You know two of the best running backs in you know in the nfl and you know um christian mccaffrey got his money two years ago he got his extension um so i think that um you know the people are willing to take a little bit of a risk but um it just just depends on the on the team and now we got a couple of running backs sitting out there that are you know are struggling to get seen and get the respect that they you know that they deserve um and the one thing I will say before I let you continue with the, the GM's um, talk is, to me, Saquon is, what, 80%, 90% of that offense? Right. Um, if anyone, you know, let's take out even the, the injuries in the the beginning of his career. He came back last year and proved what he still is. Um, if anyone deserved to get a raise or an extension um, this offseason, it was him. And instead, they gave it to to. Daniel Daniel Jones, um, not saying that Daniel Jones doesn't deserve you know his payday too, um, but he hasn't really shown that he deserves it. Saquon has, and I think that that's where you know I'm I'm struggling. But um, continuing, you were saying about the the GMs.
1: But you know, and 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 I and we will get into that in a second. But kind of just to rebut a little bit of what you had to say, um, I kind of liken that to when you talk about Daniel Jones getting his money and Saquon not. You know, I kind of liken that to the guy that goes to school for anthropology, right? You go to school, you get a four-year degree in anthropology. Probably go to a private university, spend a lot of money. Then you go ahead and get your master's in anthropology. Okay. Then you okay. probably go ahead and get your doctorate in anthropology. And <laughs> guess what's going to happen? You're probably not going to make any money, right? Yes. Um, basically, the point I'm making is is that, um, you know, this is still a business owners own teams because they're smart with their money and the fact that this is happening falls solely on the shoulders of the NFL players association and the players that that went ahead and passed the last collective bargaining right.
0: agreement. I will say to to that argument though Jerry is when some of these players were in high school running back was the you know was the right. it you know, a position. Um, So
1: And when when Gene Upshaw ran the union, Gene Upshaw teamed with Paul Tagliabue and they both made more money than they ever have in the history of the league together. So go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I'm just saying that when it comes to, um, you know, these, these kids, when they're, you know, the position they chose to play or the position they're good at playing, you know, You can't really fault them because four, five, six, seven years ago, when they were, you know, kind of being bred for that position, it was the, you know, the it spot on the roster. So now they go to college and they're taking up being a running back, not realizing that in four years they're screwed. Um, so my my one thing that I wanted to say, um, you know, and then I wanted to to kind of get into kind of the discussion that we had. Um, about your discussions with some some agents and and um, people that you've talked to, um, when it comes to blaming the the GMs, and the only thing we can say is it's a business. So yes, they're doing what's right for their business within the conf- you know confines of what the rules are currently. You know we have a salary cap in the NFL. You can't exceed you know the cap. You're you know restricted to that um, you know to to that dollar amount. On top of that you have um, and I believe it was you that said it last night, you have a quarterback that you're paying, you know, a good 30, 40% of your, um, your salary cap. You are going to make sure he has the weapons to throw to, and you're going to make sure he is protected on his line. So the, you know, the one position that tends to get, you know, let down at that point is the running backs. And, you know, we've seen kind of the, Um, the lifespan of, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but the lifespan of a running back is a little bit shorter than the rest of the positions. Um, and therefore, you know, it's kind of, you get a, you know, a rookie and now, and now they're doing this run by committee. A lot of teams, you know, have, they rather have three, four running backs and, you know, have all of them split, you know, uh, reps rather than that one running back, that's going to, you know, to get the ball 20, 25 times uh, per game.
1: You know, and I'm going to, and I don't agree, Matt in the comments said teams don't want to pay the position because it's not a focus of the pro game now. I don't agree with that, and I'll get in that in a second. But when the last negotiation happened, you know, and I said this last night, and I said it today on the radio here in Tulsa, but John Butler, who I respect, who I love, and um, obviously he's no longer with us, I was in a contract situation one time where I was going to take a pay cut and John came to me and I wasn't happy about it. He said, look, man, he says in negotiations, somebody always has the hammer. He goes right now I have the hammer and I'm going to use it. And I respected that in this last contract negotiations, last CBA negotiation, the NFLPA and its players had the hammer and they didn't use it. They gave the hammer up because they wanted other things like say, They wanted some, and I agree with this, believe me, I think we should have lifetime insurance, but they wanted some um, exceptions made for, for player health and things like that. They wanted to do away with marijuana testing. They wanted to do away with some other stuff. They would add some stuff here and there. And because of that, they lost sight of what was important. The fact that NFL franchises were growing exponentially in value by the second. They, were, they lost track of the fact that TV contracts were getting ready to be the largest we've ever seen. And and ownership had money that they've never seen before. And, you know, you put on that, you put the, the new deal with YouTube, all these things, and they traded that for other stuff. And then you come into the fact where at before this last CBA was renegotiated, I think the players were getting 46% of the money. Well, they wanted more money. So the ownership said, yeah, we'll give you 46 and a half, but you're going to have to play a 17th game. And they agreed to it. So there goes that out the window. So you talk about player safety, but yet you just added another game, and you're also playing Thursday nights. So it's like it just – they did a very, very poor job. And D. Smith, for, for a lot of the things that he did do well, one of the weaknesses he has was had was he was pretty combative. And when people start telling him he shouldn't do that, he digs his heels in. And because of that, if you remember correctly, he almost lost a a vote uh, of getting his position renewed by the players. They revoted and they ended up passing it, but it was a vote of no confidence. And then just recently they announced that he's on his way out. They got a new guy coming in. His name slips my mind, but I will say this. I do know what he's done. His entire life, his history is in finance and money. So they finally brought a guy in to run this thing that understands contracts and making money right? because you know people always picked on gene saying gene was in bed with the league whatever but gene had a way of doing things and him and paul tagliabu made a lot of money together not just for the owners but also for the players but so that's you know I, i i have a hard time blaming ownership like you said earlier sarah they're using the rules that were put out in the cba they're doing the things that the players themselves have passed and You know, we're going to get into a little bit where you're going to talk about, you know, some different things that possibly could happen to help the running back situation as far as their compensation. But when you look at that position, and you know this, and we've talked about it, you know, college players, the wear and tear on a college player has gone up exponentially. Offenses are going no huddle. There's more and more plays in practice. There's all the training they do on top of that, then all the no huddle plays and games. So when running backs come to the league, they're a little bit beat up to begin with. And as we all know, the two positions, the further you get away from the ball, the more abuse you take, right? So you got the running backs and the other position that we saw a devalue of that position as well this off season was safety right here in our own backyard, right? We saw it with, yeah. with Poyer and everything else. so. They're just not going to put the money in the guys that they're worried about you know, possibly getting hurt. But if you want to add something to that, go ahead. And then I'm going to kind of come into what I talked about last night and the last couple of days with some agents and things as far as the one situation that has happened recently in the NFL that has kind of led to this phenomenon that we're dealing with now, which is the undervalue or the devaluation, devaluation of the running back spot. Right. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Okay,
0: so, I mean, <clears throat> I think everyone agrees that at this point, by the time a rookie running back comes into the league, they've already, you know, spent anywhere from, you know, two to five years running in college, um, depending on, um, you know, if they redshirted or not. Um, so there's definitely a lot of wear and tear on them already. So, um, I, you know, agree that something needs to be figured out for them because by the time they're getting into the league, they realize they're pretty much only going to be there on a rookie deal. And the one thing that it's a business, so the the business side of this that the teams have figured out is okay. Well, we have their rookie contract. We have if it's a first rounder, we have also the fifth year option, and then we have two years where we can tag them. Um, and Basically, if they if they fall off, we're not, you know, beholden to the, them the next year. We you know, we don't have that guarantee that in the, or the dead cap that we're going to struggle with the, the next year. So, um, you know, they found the loophole and, and they're working on it. So the question is now, what can we do um, to, to fix it? So we'll get into that, too, after uh, you talk a little bit more about um, what led
1: up to this. So having some some conversations, some intimate conversations with some agents and some things like that. It was funny because I didn't bring this person's name up, but each person to a man brought this person up as the example as to why we are where we are. So I'm going to give you this the statistics of a of a player from the NFL. And, and you know, I know you already know who this is, and we'll 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 bring it up. So I'm not going to say, hey, guess who this is. We talked about it, but this player had four 1,460 carries for 6,082 yards, 243 catches for 2,254 yards, 79 touchdowns. He was at three Pro Bowls. He was the offensive player of the year one year. He was the offensive rookie of the year one year. He was on the Pro Football Writers Association on rookie team. He led his franchise, still leads his franchise or a specific franchise to this day with 58 touchdowns. And that guy's name is Todd Gurley. And this kind of, to a person, talking to people and everything else, this is the contractor, this is the situation that a lot of general managers and a lot of, of front office people in the league are using as the example as to why they do not want to pay these guys the money they want. So Gurley, who came in on a rookie deal of $11.95 million, okay, was given a contract extension and it was worth 4 years 60 million 45 million of that was guaranteed which was supposed to end at the end of this year the 2023 season he has the amazing year they give him the they give him the contract extension he has knee issues that next year never gains form of like he did the following year the next year he has more injuries i believe it was a quad And some other stuff, they end up releasing him two years into the deal, I believe, and had a $20.15 million cap hit. And, you know, when you look at this, okay, he never played a down of his extension. And, you know, this is also the time when Le'Veon Bell was wanting his money. He was using Gurley as the example of why I should get paid. I know we talked about Christian McCaffrey earlier but there was a, there's a family relationship there, right? Ed McCaffrey, John Lynch, teammates in Denver. It was a little bit different. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think you can discount that, but then Gurley goes to Atlanta, never gains form. He's out of the league. And they just now came to a a settlement where I think he got his last 5.5 million from the Rams. But this contract right here is the prime reason. So, NFL GMs and owners are saying, why should I sign these guys to an extension when you know the wear and tear they take when I go on the free agency market like the Bills did with Latavius Murray and rent a guy for one season, maybe two, pay far less money and get the same get the same production. And that's where we are because of the girly situation with the Rams that kind of set the table and also Zeke in a roundabout way. Um, had the same thing happen to him in, uh, in Dallas and he's without a team right now as well.
0: Right. Daryl put, uh, dinner girly have injury concerns coming out of college. He had the, the ACL yeah, injury. Yeah, yeah. He did. Yeah. And then, um, I believe that what his kind of his downfall was, um, was he had very bad arthritis in his knees to yep. the point where, um, he, he just couldn't, you know, make cuts and run anymore. So, um. Yeah, you know, you would hope that that stuff would come out in in his, you know, medicals, but you know, he he did well for, you know, even after the ACL, he did very well for um, you know, what 3 3 years, 4 years. Right. Um so the, and that's why he he got the extension. So, um, you know, when it comes and he was, you know, he was deserving of the extension. And I think that that's where the problem lies is he was deserving of the extension. They gave him the extension. And then the next year um, where he was still on his rookie deal, um, you know, he ended up, you know, not earning that, that extension anymore. So I think they gave him the extension too early, but the problem with that is he deserved to get it early. He deserved that money um, at that moment. Uh, But it's, you know, we all have that opinion, like when we talk about should all NFL contracts be guaranteed or if they're not playing, you know, years three, four and, and you know, five, should they still get that, that money, um, you know, if they're not playing anymore? it's, it goes back and forth. And I know I've had my, my ups and downs of, of that conversation, um, because I feel one way. And then all of a sudden I'm like, no, but wait, I feel this way. And then it's like, well, wait a second, I'm contradicting, I'm contradicting myself when I have that conversation. So um, I think that again, with now that we have an issue and we've, we've figured out the fact that we have an issue um, again, Zeke, I think that it almost happened um, this year with, with Henry because I, I don't think a lot of people felt like Henry was worth his, his contract anymore. And there was talks of of him being traded. You know, there's been talks of of Saquon um, being traded so that they didn't have to get to this point um, with, you know, having a franchise tag or having to, to you know, to do this extension talks. Um, so, you know, basically over the last couple of days, there's been a lot of people putting their GM hats on and, and making, you know, their recommendations for what you think can be done. Um, The biggest one that I've seen is to allow running backs to have a, a three year initial contract. How do you feel, how do you feel about saying a specific, uh, specific, excuse me, a specific uh, position having a, a limited contract to start?
1: this is like Robin Hood. This is, this is all for one and one for all, right? We're, we're all in this together. If a running back is going to get a three-year deal, then a, then a safety should get a three-year deal. A wide receiver should get a three-year deal. Everybody right. should get a three-year deal. Um, I think that, and the other thing you're going to get is this from the union. Okay. They are never ever going to put themselves in a position where you are going to take money away from a player, because here's the thing. If you have a rookie that has a three-year deal, Say they don't quite pan out to the way that you expect, they're now gone two years earlier than they would have been. You know what I'm saying? So the union is really, really they're really, really sensitive about anything that might limit the amount of money that a player would make or possibly make. Um, I am, I am on to what you're saying. I don't re- necessarily understand why we have to have a fifth year option. For a first round pick, and everybody else is a four year deal. I I don't understand why a first round pick gets penalized for my, being a first round yeah. pick. Yeah,
0: I think my opinion there was that was more towards the the franchise itself to benefit them because they're putting that right. huge signing. They're putting the huge signing bonus out for first rounders. So now that they get that that extra fifth year, and it's a guaranteed year, kind of kind of like a a, a tag to begin with.
1: Yeah. But think about this. Okay. Think about this. Think about after four years if Josh Allen had free agency and he didn't have the, the team to have the, the, the parachute um, to go ahead and say, Oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to give you your option. You're going to get a lot more money, but it's still going to be X amount of dollars less than what you could have made on the open market. I mean, the two things I don't like, and, and, and I know you've looked into, you're going to talk about them a little bit or that fifth year, on the first rounders. I don't agree with that. I would like everybody to be reduced to three years, not just running backs. I want everybody reduced to three years because Sarah, what it does is what's the average year. If you look at what they tell you all the time, the average, the average career lasts what three years, right? Right. So we should know what's going to happen in three years. I think everybody should be three years, but the other thing that I cannot stand, and I think it is the worst It's and I don't understand why it's still in the it's still in the collective bargaining agreement. Franchise and transition tags are brutal, brutal, and I think that's something that should go away as well.
0: Right. I think when it comes to um, the three years for everybody, I'm in agreement. I think that um, it actually, if you look at it from both ends, it benefits the player um, because they can get if if they pan out, they can hit that second contract um, sooner. I also think that if we did the three year, that maybe the third year should be very heavily incentivized so that um, their pay is, is based off of, you know, more, you know, incentives. Um, But it also helps the, um, the, the franchises themselves because if a team drafts bad, they can get out of that bad draft pick earlier than being, you know, handcuffed. Now, granted, if you're, if you draft, you know, somebody in the sixth round, it's not really a big deal, but if you draft a first or second rounder and you're paying them, you know, a whole heck of a lot more than you're paying a vet, you know, um, playing on the minimum, you want to get out of that contract. So it, um, you get out of it a lot, you know, a lot sooner than um, than if you had to wait the, the full four years. So I think three years is, is kind of a good compromise.
1: I also like Major League Baseball's arbitration. Um, I think everybody's different. And when you put the ownership against the player in a room with a with a independent arbitrator, I think sometimes that is a very good thing for a player. Now, sometimes it can hurt them, but most of the time the arbitrator sides with the players. And that's another way to, to help with that. And I don't think we'll ever see that in, in football, but it's something that I do like. But, you know, we, we talk about running backs and we talk about, you know, Daryl made a comment. Um, his life expectancy was already short because of the college injury, talking about Todd Gurley. The problem is lumping all running backs into that category. There are levels to their talent. I don't agree with that. Um, running backs, running backs. Um, this is a game nowadays. We're not packing. You know, very very seldom are we packing two tight ends in a set. We're not running behind the. We're not running behind the fullback. We're spreading things out. We're trying to get numbers. Running backs nowadays are having the BYOB, bring their own block more often than not. I think they do take a lot more hits than they used to. Um, it's just a different game. And even Saquon, who had the monster year last year off of the ACL, he still has had an ACL. He still has had various quad injuries. He's had to change the way he trains because of the leg injuries he's had. A lot of people felt it was because he was squatting too much. He was too heavy in the legs. He wasn't flexible enough. He's changed the way he tra- he's trained. But it's it's just really hard to predict who's going to not have the attrition problems and who's going to have the attrition problems. Right. Um, you talked about Derrick Henry earlier. I mean, who's yeah. bigger than him and he's had various, uh, I think what, situations.
0: Am I, I, and I could be wrong and Dale, Daryl can uh, correct me in the, the comments, but I think what he was saying is the various levels of, um, of, you know, how good a player is. So like, you're not going to compare, you know Saquon Barkley to um, I don't want to call out a, a running back. No, oh, no, you're saying no. Not. Saying, I mean, yeah. Uh,
1: you're not I feel bad Saquon, doing it. You're not going to say Saquon and Singletary are the same back. I'll say right
0: there. You go. Okay, we we'll throw Singletary. We'll throw, we'll throw Moto under the the bus a little bit. Right. I was gonna I was gonna say James Cook, but we're not. We haven't given him a chance yet. Right. So, um, but you know that's you know that's the thing right there. So. I, you know, someone else actually on Twitter suggested, why don't we combine and have a skilled position um, where if you, you know, have, you know, a certain percentage of your off, you know, of the offense runs through you, um, that basically you can take the top, you know, five or 10. If you're going to do the franchise tag, do it off of that skilled position who, you know, has a, that certain percentage or more of the offense. And you, you you know factor the the tag on that because the problem is is that you know you're you're doing the top five I think franchise's top five um running back contracts but if all the running back contracts are re- are, are being reduced and reduced and reduced then their their franchise tag is now a whole he- you know a whole heck of a lot less than it used to be um so Uh, I think that that's the problem right there. And then you have, you know, certain players who got who got it. So now, you know, CMC is running around with a, you know, 15 million dollar a year um, contract. And these, you know, you look at um, at Saquon and I think there was a, a article that was put out the other day that if you look at Bijan, Bijan got more cash this year than Saquon did. Granted, it is because he got the his signing bonus and, and everything else. Um, and he's gonna be paying playing on the base salary over the next couple of years. But cash wise, he made more money this year than you know the top five running backs. So it's it's gotta be hard to um for them to, to kind of stomach that. They have to think back and realize, I mean, Saquon was what, number two or three? He was drafted like, you know, right. second or third. So he got a nice signing bonus as well. So right. Um, you know, he definitely got got paid up front. It just makes it harder. Um, they tend to forget that money when they're, you know, when they're only making two, three million a year, um, a, a, you know, base salary.
1: And what the, and what the fans have to understand is, is that the word fair never is ever used in a contract negotiation. Nobody in that league. There are no front office people they worry about if a contract that's being given to a player is fair or not. They they don't care. All they care about is how am I going to keep the most money and not give all that money away? And, you know, Daryl talked about, you know, and, yes, he, you know, I do see the remarks, and like I said, I, I understand where was going from. But, you know, San Fran took a – they took a chance on Christian McCaffrey. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's been injured most of his career, has he not? Um, he's had games he's missed almost every season. So every season, you know, you know, the Niners they took a they took a flyer on him, and yeah, he's an amazing player when he's healthy. Like I said, I think some of that has to do with his father, uh, Ed and John Lynch's, uh, you know, friendship from from the Denver Broncos back in the Super Bowl days. But there is no, you know, that's the thing is, and I understand it. I kind of look at it as the player side of it because to me, when I write that check. Or it comes out of my ch- or out of my my paycheck, and that money goes to Washington D.C. for my union dues. I'm not paying union dues to have a different set of roles than another guy. Okay, union is what well. we're all the same, right? We get the same right. uh, two 15-minute breaks a day. We get the same holiday stuff. We do all that. I'd have to think if if the players' union went out and started making different deals for different positions. You know, the electrical workers, the teamsters, the truckers, they'd all be standing outside the office going, what are you idiots doing, right? You're killing us. But it's – its it, looking at it as a player, it's just it's, – it's not fair. And, again, I just I, – it's really hard for me to blame ownership because they had the opportunity to negotiate this. And I know – I know work stoppages suck. Uh, fans don't want to not watch football. I don't want to not watch football. Don't even. (laughs) Okay. I don't want, I want (laughs) to. Don't take it away. Right. I want to watch all the football I can, but sometimes, you know, tough times call for the drastic measures. And that is, you know, I remember when I was a kid, when the strike happened in the NFL, we had a guy from, from where I grew up that was in the gym working out. Next thing you know, a couple days later he's gone on a bus because he got picked up by a team as a as a replacement guy, right? I know that guy. He didn't look like the guy that I used to watch play that position. <laughs> it was in the parking lot, right? Yeah. Striking. But it's you know, so the players had the juice. Without the players, there is no game. And I know it sucks. It's it's a bad deal. And you wish that everybody would get paid what they wish, you know, they feel they were worth, but In this current model, something's got to give. And right now, unfortunately, for guys to play the running back position, teams would rather rent rent a player for a year, have about two or three, as opposed to putting all their eggs into one basket and going with the feature back model. We had this question today, and maybe, Sarah, you can help me because you're really good with trivia and history. Who's the last team that went to the Super Bowl with an exclusive – feed the ball to him 30 times a game 35 times a game running back oh geez and if you're that on the punch? comments and you and you have you have examples hit the comments up again hit the like button smash the subscribe button uh we'll be here every wednesday night at 9 eastern 8 central to talk uh bills football college football it's line the game on the Rumbleys network but if you if you if you know somebody seriously, like I, mean, my, my I was going to say, Seattle. Exactly, Matt said it, and I think that's the one we Uh-oh. got to first. Marshawn would be the one that I guess would be the closest. And here's the funny thing: they had Marshawn, and they didn't give him the ball either in the Super Bowl, right? Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> might but yeah. still be
0: too soon for Seattle fans for that one.
1: <laughs> right. Right. So I, you know, Marshawn comes to mind. But mm. if I was, and I, and I made this analogy today, Sarah, if I was in a courtroom. Okay, if I was in a courtroom and I was a and I was a lawyer for the NFL and I was trying to prove my case to the judge and jury against the NFL Players Association as to why I don't want to pay a running back, and they're on the other side and they're giving me every reason why you need to pay running backs and they're important and we need to do this. My first person I would call to the witness stand would be Andy Reid, right? Andy Reid's been to the, – they've been to, the, what, three Super Bowls, won two of them. They draft some guy named Edwards Lair in the first round. He has a good season, has some issues. They're like, yeah, well, so what? We'll throw him over there. We'll, we'll draft some guy named Pacheco, and we'll throw him in a tailback, and we'll just go ahead and win another one, right? It's just – it's that seems to be the way the, the model is. It's find the next so I guy
0: a, up. I have a question for you. So what do you feel <laughs> most – running backs what do you feel like their, their life expectancy is when it comes to um, their, their best years? Do you think that it matters whether or not they're they're 20 years old yet or do you think it matters that they you know they usually don't hit that stride right. until they're 23 24 because they're you know they're going up against bigger guys obviously you know um, there's some type of difference between college and, and pro. So how do you feel? What do you feel are those years?
1: I think that a back comes in and after by the third season, he should be pretty comfortable with what he's doing. And I think that a, that a really good back in the league anymore, if you get seven, probably seven good years. So year three, years, three, four, and five, are their really, really strong, productive years. And if they get beat up, maybe six, not quite as good as seven. Depends on luck with injuries. Um, I'd say probably a long running back career is probably going to be six or seven years. And that's but going do you, to be. Do
0: you think it correlates with their age. So do you think that by the time they're 28, they're already on the, the downward swing is most of these people.
1: Well, I think feel. so. I mean, probably a couple of years younger than most of the league. Cause as we talked about earlier this year in contract negotiations, 30 is that magic number in the NFL, right? Um, if somebody hits 30, um all of a sudden they don't want to pay them they're on the downhill side of their career unless you're a unless you're just a free quarterback right i mean you can take the quarterbacks out of the equation but to see guys like thurman and watch you know being able to play with him and watch him do what he did in the fifteen thousand yards and and play the way he played is amazing absolutely amazing um one thing about thurm that nobody you know talks about is Yeah, he wasn't the biggest back, but because of that, he was so shifty. He never took collisions head-on. He always, you know, he took kind of glancing blows as opposed to head-on stuff. They might have got him every now and then, but it was very, very few and far between because he was so good at being shifty. But to watch him do what he did over that long career, um, it's amazing. And he also came into the uh, NFL with – with a question mark with, you know, we all know the story with the ACL and everything else. But the reason why I
0: asked, uh, I'm sorry, I was just going to, the reason why I I asked the question was because another one of these suggestions was allow um, players to start to, um, uh, to declare early um, and to, to get into the NFL earlier. Um, Again, we, we already talked about not singling out the position, um, but Do you feel like, you know, a 20 year old running back is going to come into the NFL and excel? Or do you think that they need more years developing in in college, which kind of sucks for them? Because by the time they get to the NFL, they've already had, you know, four years of wear and tear.
1: No, I think you're right. And I've been a proponent for coming out earlier as far as players and, and from college to the pros for a long time now. I don't think that you should, you know, there's a lot of people that are scared to death. Of bringing a younger guy in. But let's face facts with the training, um, the way these guys look coming out of college. Um, Younger players can be very successful in the NFL. You don't have to wait three years before you come in. Um, No, I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that's a big deal, especially nowadays. I mean, nobody, I mean, a lot of guys that have aspirations going to the NFL, you know, you look at NIL now and the way guys are getting paid, you might as well go to the league and get really paid, right? Right. You know, I just don't, I don't see the reason why we're we're holding holding guys back as much. As I think
0: should. that the assessment on the players will be harder to make um, to decide whether or not uh, someone's ready. I think that that's going to be the the hardest thing. So you're you're risking that draft pick a, a lot more to pick somebody younger. Um, Matt asked, "Why did Thurman, Emmett, and Barry, um, you know, play so well for so long?" And I know you were kind of, you know, talking about that. But since you know that was more during your time, do you feel like you know anything was was different back then?
1: I think I think there was a difference. One of the biggest differences was college. I don't think college football put the wear and tear on the players going into the league the way that it does now, especially that position. We did run the no huddle, but the pace at which the Bills ran the no huddle at the time was lightning fast. Today would be considered slow. Um, I just think the amount of plays the players have on them now before they even get to the league Mm -hmm. is is much different than it used to be. Um, I think the style of offenses were different. I think that, you know, you look at the way we played with – two tight ends. A lot of the time you had a fullback, you know, Emmitt Smith had Moose Johnson in front of him the whole time. Right. I know Thurman didn't have a fullback, but you know, a lot of times we'd hop into two tight ends. Um, and again, Thurman was, was a freak. I mean, he was able to, to not take anything head on. Um, you know, it was just different. So I think a lot of it had to do with not just, not just, the style of the offenses that we played back then, but also what was going on in college as they came into the pros, because I agree with, you know, Daryl kind of said it earlier and I agree with others If we talked about it with, I've talked about it with some friends and everything. And i talked about it with my guys last night. Um, You know, a lot of players are coming into the league with exponentially high amounts of wear and tear on them.
0: Yeah, I think that's yeah. one benefit that we have with, with uh, James Cook right now is he was pretty much that off-pace third down, you know, back um, right. for, for Georgia. So he doesn't have as much wear and tear. And then he split um, carries last year with, with Singletary. Well, so.
1: Yeah, my favorite back in the league is that way, Sarah. I mean, Josh Jacobs is that way. I mean, Josh was a third down back at Alabama. He didn't take a ton of wear and tear at Bama. I mean, he's he's primed to have an unbelievable season. Um Unfortunately, he's caught in the conundrum that he can't get out of, which is right. what's going on with paying running backs.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, but again, if they're handing the ball off to him 20, 25 times a game, uh, and he's getting that the brunt of that, that offense, um, just like Saquon, they, you know, I I feel for him because, you know, that, that wear and tear is going to start coming up, you know, pretty quick. We're not a huge running team, so – um, I right. think James Cook could could literally last you know two three additional years if we you know you utilize him correctly and right. everything else. But um, whether or not he pans out, um, which we all hope he does,
1: right? And, and you know it, it goes to the it goes to what we talked about. You know we talk about all the time the the day and age of the feature back is over with. When you're paying all the money you're paying for these quarterbacks and you're running so many RPOs. And so many reads, you know, the read option stuff and and the f- passing game and everything else in the in the game nowadays. Are you gonna pay a guy that type of money and are you gonna put the time in and hand them the ball thirty-five times a game? I don't wanna take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands that many times. Um, yeah. I'd rather go ahead and let let Josh Allen make plays. So I think that's a big part of it too.
0: Matt just said, and unlike other pro sports, these players are forced to attend and stay in college and aren't um, paid until they're drafted as pro. I mean, it's a little different now with with the NIL deals. Yeah. Um, some of them are getting paid.
1: There's NIL. <laughs> there's, there's guys in college getting NIL that Saquon and those guys wish they were getting
0: Yes. That, I mean, the, some of these NIL deals are ridiculous right. um, and they are making more money in college than they would as a rookie unless right. they were, you know, drafted in, you know, the top 10 of the first round. So, um, but again, uh, the the one thing that they're not, they're not, hand, you know, handcuffed to a, a contract and all that other stuff. And um, some of these, you know, deals, yes, they're, they're with sponsorships for the school themselves but some of them are are directly with that person so if they if they wanted to leave the team and go to another team and you know and enter the the, um the portal they they might be bringing that that deal with them so um you know i think nowadays that that they they do have the um the nil possibility why not make it uh so that they can enter the league a little bit earlier um I, I mean as a mom I'm gonna say that you know you I think that you by the time that your child is you know 18 19 20 years old they are considered an adult um they, if they want to play football for you know for their life and um they're, they're gonna make that decision whether they're you know 19 or 20 or 21 22 so you know I think that coming out early could be an option um as as well as you know the the option of um you know even maybe doing a a combo, having them be able to come out early, but then also doing that three-year contract. So if they don't pan out, then the the teams can at that point, you know, walk away from the, from, you know, that bad pick. So maybe doing a little bit of both.
1: You know, I think ultimately though, you know, ultimately, we've thrown a lot of ideas at the wall. I mean, there's a lot of things you can talk about. You can feel bad. You can not feel bad, but ultimately the way this gets fixed is the new leadership of the NFLPA comes in and he petitions the owners and says, look, um, I understand we got what another five years, I think left on the left on the collective bargaining agreement. Somehow, some way um, get them to the table early and somehow, some way get this thing renegotiated to where it's back to where it should be which is in favor of the players and in favor of the guys that go out every week and 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 risk their their lives and livelihood and everything else um you know it's it's a shame that we're in this situation and it bums me out that we're in this situation because I would have thought by 2023 we would have figured it out as a union and as players, that you are the reason people come to the games. They want to see players. They right. don't want to see the ownership. They don't really care about the coaches too much. I mean, we complain about them, whatever. But the reason you spend all that money and you're going to spend the seat licenses at the new stadium, you come to watch the players. Right. And these guys at some point have to have somebody come along and say, look, guys, there's going to be some short-term pain here. We're going to feel the pain a little bit, but what you're going to do is going to set up not only you, but it's going to set up years and years of guys coming up from college because you had the courage to go out and strike and and stand up for what you believe in instead of just going ahead and taking a quick deal because everything is now and present, and they don't think about 53-year-old retired player who – you know, has one total needs getting another one and has all these things he has to deal with. Right. And I um, think that a lot of
0: these running backs though, that are currently in this situation, they probably don't feel like they have the time to, to, to get on board with this because even though they could be the, the reason for the change, they might not feel like they're going to benefit from that change, especially if it's going to take, you know, a year or two or three to get the change to come. So, um, I don't know, but you know, do you think Saquon or and or uh Josh Jacobs will end up sitting out at all?
1: Um, I think they better call up um better call up Joe Mixon and and, and talk to him a little bit because Joe Mixon was pretty quick to say, "You know what? Um I'm next." And he went to ownership and asked what he needed to do to stay a Cincinnati Bengal and he did it. Um, I don't believe that you sit out a season. I think all you do when you sit out a season is lose money because unless next year was a whole new collective bargaining deal, they're going to be right back in the same situation next year. And probably will be offered less money because they don't have any tape from the previous year. So in my estimation, it's never good to sit out. You've got to be present. You got to be, you got to play because if you sit out, you're forgotten about
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: you know, I don't agree with that. And I would like to think that their agents are giving them that. Um,
0: well, all they got to do is show them what Le'Veon Bell, what he did.
1: Next thing you know, you will be fighting in the UFC, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, he
0: never came back from him taking off his year. No. Um, Daryl put, I just came from a high school, a uh, fall and winter sports orientation. High schoolers are about to sign nil deals. According to the athletic director, it's all about to change. Um, I've been hearing that a lot uh, with uh, with the recruiting aspect um, down here with the scouts going to um, to different high schools and uh, trying to get them obviously to entice to 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 sign an offer for um, their university or whatever. It is going to be it's going to be pay for play, you know, so at this point in time. You're pretty much not going for that scholarship anymore. You're going for the scholarship and whatever you know nil deal you can get. Um, I am not. I'm not really against that. Um, I hate that some of these bigger universities are going to benefit from um, you know the the opportunities that they get for from sponsor from the sponsorships, um, you know, and and that even goes with Miami. Miami has literally one billionaire who is is helping you know, with the, the nil deals for the hurricane. So, you know, I understand that, you know, each university is going to have the one or two uh, people who are going to be, you know, feeding the, um, feeding these kids. But some of these kids are 17 years old, um, 16, 17 years old when they're signing their, their offers, um, to, to go to a team. That just scares me that they're getting, dangled all this money in front of their face um, at that age. So uh, hopefully the, you know, college football can figure it out. Um, I don't like that. It's kind of become a free for all with however much money that they can offer you. It's become I mean, a little a, ridiculous.
1: A very prominent AD in this region um, recently said to somebody I know, um, he gives it two more years. Um, the wild West is going to happen for about two more years. And then at some point, Congress is going to have to step in and regulate this whole thing. I don't think that I don't think the days of paying players is going away. And matter of fact, I'm a big proponent of, of, of paying guys extra stipends for doing what they're supposed to do. Um, if a kid rolls in, I mean, there's there's some some rules out there right now where you can pay a player, uh, any player, not just football, golfers, soccer players, whatever. Um, you can, uh, it's called Austin money. You can give a guy up to $6,000 a year in extra money for getting grades. Okay. So a coach would set aside a grade point. You meet your grade point, you get a bonus. I have no problem with that. I think that's great. What I do have a problem with is, is getting $150,000, uh, just because, you know, that's not, that's not an NIL deal to me. That's not endorsing anything. I mean, how many, how many, let me ask you this, Sarah, and you're in one of the most visible high traffic, you know, Hollywood like cities in the world. How many college kids have you seen on television, on in newspapers or wherever else advertising and doing ads for a specific product that they are getting paid supposedly to endorse?
0: I have seen a little bit down here in Miami, um, a couple of things going on with uh, like a local car shop and, and stuff like that. Um, but that's the thing. They're, then they're driving around and, you know, Lexuses and, I mean, right. supposedly one, I, I haven't seen it, but supposedly one had a Rolls Royce. Um, like that's that's crazy. Um, I've seen
1: one. I've seen one in Tulsa. It, it had to do with an Oklahoma State athlete. And it was a car dealership.
0: Yeah, that's what I said—a car shop, but I meant dealership. Yeah,
1: right. So you think about it, Sarah. You got hundreds of players, you know, at hundreds of athletes at a college, and you see one or two that are actually might do a halfway ad. Um, That's the thing—is it's not about that.
0: Yeah, some Um, of them I think that you can get away with nil by. By showing up um, and signing autographs, or showing up and um, and doing, you know, uh, um, you know, any kind of uh, in person, you know, right. um, It's actually through Learfield. Event.
1: Yeah, it's actually through Learfield, which is the company that Learfield uh, IMG that does a lot of the independent marketing contracts with schools. So, like, they come into Miami, and Learfield says um, if you hire us. We're going to sign a three-year deal. We're going to give you $4 million, $5 million, $6 million over three years, but we're handling all your marketing and all your advertising. You don't have to do anything. And Learfield has actually broke off and has a branch of Learfield now where um, players can go put profiles in there and do things like, uh, you know, Buffalo Freddy's having a, a jump house in for, you know, a weekend and he wants some some college guys from UB to come over and some you know however many athletes and they can sign up and come over right. and make money off of doing something like that Freddie pays IMG then IMG pays the players and of course Learfields going to keep their cut right so there's things like that and you're true it's it's true you can do stuff like that but I you know it's gonna have to be regulated like I said this this regional G uh, regional ad said it's probably two years but I don't see how the NCAA reigns it in. They don't have the power to do it. It's going to have to be something congressional. if it's Right. Going to get, uh, I mean, going
0: to be- it was passed congressionally, right? That's why the nil deals were able to, to start happening to begin with is because... Yeah,
1: but if you remember correctly, Sarah, it was passed congressionally. But like, for instance, Oklahoma, their governor went out. They had a couple of state representatives sponsor a law. They passed their own law that's actually... Like one of the most or the most favorable NIL legislature in the country, so now you've got all these states that are passing their own stuff, right? Right. So which makes it back. so right.
0: certain colleges can offer more right. than others. Right. Yep. So
1: here we go back to that, right? I mean, so now you got, you know, there we're going to. My governor uh, is a graduate of Oklahoma State, so he's going to do something so that the Cowboys. Have a better chance of signing somebody than say somebody in Texas, right? right. That's the type of thing that has gotta stop. It's it's gotta be regulated. And so I don't know. It's it's but the cat's out of the bag, man. They're never taking money, they're never, they're never gonna not pay players. And I'm f i am like I said earlier, I'm for it for certain reasons. Doing you know, doing a good job, working hard, grades, things like that, going to a school and reading Dr. Seuss to the first graders. Flow the dude 250, $300. bucks. think it's awesome. Yeah. You know, but don't don't lie. We're talking,
0: we're talking millions now. I mean, there's been. I mean, granted, not all of them are. You know, I've I've seen whether or not all of them are. Go ahead. That's
1: the answer, Sarah. We can get Saquon and those guys an NIL deal, (laughs) so they can make their money. But then the NIL don't even start because pretty soon.
0: Pretty soon the NFL is going to start having freaking sponsorship patches on their jerseys, just like the NBA, and it's going to get ridiculous. Um, It's all about money in the end. So, um, you know, wherever anyone can make more money. Um, But in the end, I think that we're all in agreement that where the running backs are right now is um, something needs to be done. Whether or not you said it's going to be fair, it probably won't be. Um, But I think that they do need to – start the the conversation um and I I hope for Saquon's sake and for um Jacob's sake they're not the scapegoats in the end they're not the but you know but maybe they'll at least be the ones that that lead the rally for other running backs down the road so um do you have anything else left that you wanted to talk about this
1: week um no I'm just excited that the British Open starts tomorrow I'm sure you're excited mm-hmm. about the Open Championship over in uh, no. Royal Liverpool. I mean, you no, seem to be really. a big golf fan, <laughs> um, so uh. I'm excited about that. Uh, we've got birthday galores in this family. Um, nice, I do get to go to a I do get to go to a rock show. Or I should say a, a country country rock show uh, Saturday night with my son and some of his buddies. Uh, he bought me some tickets for Father's Day. Oh, what nice. A, what a wonderful son that he would buy me yeah. concert tickets for Father's Day.
0: That's so awesome. So he do
1: that. Um, so if I have energy, any energy left on Saturday, I don't, or Sunday rather, I don't, I'll, I'll find something to do. But no, it'll be a cool week. I'm a big fan of the British and It's always nice. fun to watch when them guys play over there. And Hey, guess what else is happening? What? People are reporting training camp, man. It's I begun. Know.
0: I will be uh, leaving next probably saturday or sunday um i'm driving up to new york um oh jesus (laughs) (laughs) sorry i just saw the comment because you started laughing (laughs) um but yes i'll be leaving next next weekend to go up to new york uh spending a couple weeks up there um with some family and and my son before he goes back to school going to training camp um you know hanging out a little bit uh And then he's back off to college and I get to to go back to my uh you know, peaceful life without (laughs) I'm joking. Let me stop.
1: You get to not not go to the fridge and wonder where all your food is anymore?
0: Um, no, the problem is is that with him around, there's too much food all the time. It's every day. Are we going to go get something to eat? Can we go out to dinner? Can can we go to the store and buy more? I'm like, what happened to the freaking eight pack of burritos I bought you yesterday? So no, he's, I, a I, I, he's a big boy. He is a big boy. He definitely loves to uh, to put the food down. So uh, unfortunately, it, um, it's been a little bit of a constraint on me over the summer. <laughs> but well, uh,
1: Since you're going to Buffalo, I got a list of groceries I need you to send me. So I'm going to Venmo you a bunch of money and you can all right. shoot you my address and you can overnight me some. I need some Schwabbles. I need some Lenovo. I need some hot dogs. <laughs> Trying to think what else I need. Some so, Send me, send me a case of shivettas. Picasso's.
0: You can order that online, and they'll send it to you frozen, and it's actually really good.
1: You know what? I'll do that. That's a yeah. great. That's a great thing. Yeah, get some yeah. picassos. You know, you get me. Send me some pierogies. I'm. You know, I got a oh, list of yeah. things I need.
0: I know someone who makes some really good pierogies, so maybe I can get somebody to make some. Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: (laughs) Can I get an NIL deal with that?
0: Yeah, right. There you go. Um, So just to let everybody know, tomorrow night um, we have Mafia Cast, and um, we are going to be starting within the next week or two to kind of um, update the schedule a little bit. People are going to be moving around just a tiny bit and uh, you'll start to see some uh, some broadcasts about that. I'll, I'll be sending out a new lineup um, uh, over the next couple of days. Some new shows um, in, you know, everyone's favorite shows will be back as well. So I'll send that out in the next couple of days. Um, Ralph just put just to, you know, I know that we didn't talk about it, um, that Pugula kick in our the the executive vice president um out of the of the front office um obviously you know it was put it was stated that he you know was mutual um i don't agree that it was mutual i'm sure that there was a reason why i've heard speculation i'm not going to talk about the speculation because to me it's all rumors until someone else that's in the building says that that that's the reason why but um but yeah, so I don't believe that it was mutual. I believe that um, they gave him the grace to, to leave um, and and said we were mutually pardoned in ways because of that. Um, I hope that we can, you know, act like it's status quo and um, hopefully there's not going to be too much, um, you know, of a burden in the, the front office uh, with that happening, especially with the, the stadium and everything else that he was working on.
1: Well, the thing that bothers me, and we'll talk more about this next show. I don't want to go too much longer because now we're up on we've already hit an hour or a little bit longer, but um I'm starting to wonder if if Kim Kula was really the visionary of this whole thing, and now that she's not around, um, things seem to be quite a bit different, and yeah. I'm not necessarily sure if it's for the better to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little nervous that she's uh, obviously not going to ever be able to come back and, uh, you know, and and take her position most likely. Um, you know, my understanding is that, you know, that's not going to happen. So, um, you know, he was he he stepped in and was supposed to be that that person. Um, things didn't go, I guess, the way that people expected it to go or wanted it to go. And uh, and he's out. So. Um, my only concern is is having the Sabres and the PSE um, team controlling so much. Um, it is a lot to to take care of one franchise, let alone two and a company um, with PSE and you know everything that they do. I think they're controlling they control the bandits as well. So um, it's a lot. So and I might be wrong about the the bandits, but I you th-
1: remember we had that little conversation about money a while ago um maybe things you know there's perception in reality when you have administrators working for two teams um you're only making one paycheck not two so right maybe there's a little bit to that but anyway hey we're out of here for this week yeah. again this is line to gain we're here every wednesday nine eastern eight central always hit them comments always hit that like button smash the subscribe button um, we'll be back next week with more uh, Bills content, more Bills talk. We'll probably get into that whole administration thing a little bit. Plus, we've got some college football to talk about as well, because we are a show that talks about college football. But um, she is Sarah Larson. I'm the big O, Jerry Strauss. We'll be back more next week here on the Rumbley's Network. As always, one love and go Bills. Go Bills.